Yeah, we just we just didn't get the hit with one man on base. You know, kind of had some traffic, a lot of innings, or a runner on, or a lot of innings, and the hit with the runner on base, or the extra base hit with the runner on base, never happened. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. So I've been doing a lot of reminiscing today. I was on Spotify this morning. I was going back and I was listening to a lot of my old playlists, especially from the spring of 2020. We're coming out of the pandemic. Everything was shut down in 2020. Winter of 2021 was brutal. We're coming out. and We're living life. And I have some playlists and some songs from that window of time that I just love. So I was looking back a little bit. And then I started thinking about the summer of 2021 a little bit. You know, everything that went down, all the big things that happened. Remember when Top Gun came out? And I remember specifically when it premiered at Cannes Film Festival. I'm 99% sure it's how you say that. I remember reading reports that it got like a 10-minute standing ovation. I was like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. There's no way they stood and clapped for 10 minutes. That's not true. I'm not buying into that. Well, the Hollywood Reporter 17 minutes ago, Harrison Ford gets teary during the six-minute standing ovation for Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny. Huh? They stood there and clapped for six minutes. Pfizer Forum can't stand for an entire fourth quarter. You got all these old white actors who can stand and clap for 10 minutes. This is this is the weirdest thing to me. And I know it's it's very rare and can only happens once a year. And these great movies only come out every so often. But this always confuses me when I when I see and I hear this. Oh, six minutes standing ovation, 10 minutes standing ovation. Stand and clap for 10 minutes. You tell me that that's possible. You tell me it's possible to get a whole room of people, a whole theater of people to do that. I don't believe it. I do not believe it. That was a random rant I needed to get off my chest before we, you know, get down to brass tacks. Loaded show tonight. Lots to get to. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Phils. I'm still watching this video. It's Harrison Ford and it's very touching. He's got teary eyes. There's no way they clapped for him for six minutes. I don't believe that for a second. It's wild. But we don't need to talk about that anymore. I want to talk NBA. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals last night. We reacted to game one of the Western Conference Finals the other night. Lakers-Nuggets was awesome. I expect game two tonight to also be awesome. I think the Lakers might get one in Denver. We'll see. Last night, Celtics-Heat. That series is playing out exactly the way that I thought, at least through one game. We'll talk about that in a half hour. In about an hour and a half at 5.30, real treat. A real, real treat for you golf fans out there or just fans of interesting conversation. I actually talked to one of my best buddies from high school earlier today. Uh, his name is Dalton Rowan, which you would have no reason to know that. He, what he does is he works at Oak Hill, the golf course where the PGA championship is. He's on the grounds crew. So he maintains and landscapes and does all the shaping and the maintenance of the course. And I was like, I should call Dalton and ask him some questions. It's not that I... It's not that I didn't have high hopes for the conversation, but he's not a media guy, right? He he was brilliant. Oh, my God. I, I got so many interesting tidbits and interesting facts, and he gave us a great breakdown of this weekend's tournament and everything that's gone into it at Oak Hill. So even if you're not a golf fan, I think it's a really, really interesting conversation. I'm going to play that for you coming up at 530. I, however, 
I want to start with the Brewers. 608-796-2558 if you'd like to call or text the show. And I'm on Twitter. You can tweet me during the show or anytime. Give me a follow, please. Follower count is, we've plateaued here for a while. We're at 2,500. Let's get to 26. Let's move that number. Follow me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. So last night, we started the show by celebrating Tuesday night's win. Big win, killer win. Big moment for the Brewers, especially after losing by 17 runs on Monday night, right? Great performance from the bullpen. Craig Council showing some real huevos, calling on all of his great relievers one after another to cover basically an entire game because Wade Miley left with an injury in the second. Really fun win, really fun show talking about that really fun win. I also had in my show notes from last night, and we never got to it, a big picture Brewers discussion. Zoom out, forget the the 17-run loss, forget the the wire-to-wire exciting win in game two of the series. Hell, forget last night's game, a game in which the Brewers lost three to nothing. Big picture discussion. And I wanted to do this last night, but we ran out of time. You know what a couple been going on dates for a few months and it's been fun you know casual going out getting drinks seeing movies doing fun things maybe see a a concert together just fooling around having fun and at some point one of the two asks the other hey uh what are we are we in a relationship are we dating is there something long term here what's going on right it's a big moment in every relationship the what are we conversation I think that's the conversation we need to have about our brewers tonight. What what are we? Or I guess, what are they? We're not on the team. What is this brewers team? Right now, they're 24 and 19. I'd say over the last week or two, they've looked poor more often than they've looked good. Or they've looked average more often than they've looked great. And I know the weekend series against Kansas City was great, but that was only one series. And that wasn't stiff competition. That wasn't a division rival. And I know I don't like getting hung up on opponents because at any point in a 162 game season, any team can lose to another, right? So I don't want to minimize those three wins. I'm just trying to contextualize over the last week or two. There's been a lot more frustrating nights than exciting ones. There's been a lot more discouraging moments than encouraging moments. What is this team? What are we? Now the best part of this team and this has been the case the last couple of years, is supposed to be the starting rotation, right? The starting rotation, the starting pitching is supposed to be the, the big strength of this team. And right now, about 40% of the starting rotation is injured. And Corbin Burns hasn't been elite. He hasn't been outstanding. He's been pretty good. But, I mean, Jeff Supon at times, Manny Parra could be pretty good here and there. The Brewers have built this team to expect greatness from Corbin Burns. They need greatness. Wade Miley, up until his injury, has been awesome. And Freddie Peralta has been awesome. I'd say you've gotten everything out of Wade Miley and Freddie Peralta that you could have asked for and more so far. And yet, the Brewers are only five over 500. They're 24 and 19. I don't know where they fall in the standings. I don't check the standings until Memorial Day. But I assume in a crummy NL Central, they're doing okay. I'm kidding. They're in first place. I know that, but you get the bit. No Brandon Woodruff. Now no Wade Miley. No Aaron Ashby, who they were going to rely on in some form or fashion this season. And I know what you're saying. But Grant, but Colin, they'll get healthy. Just wait. Just give them time. Yeah, but when? Late July? August? That's a long time to go with no Brandon Woodruff, no Aaron Ashby, and 
Maybe we'll see with Wade Miley. I got my fingers crossed, but that's the type of injury that seems like it could take a while. Lat strain, big arm muscle that's connected to lots of other things in the back. That seems important. He's a little older. He's dealt with some injury issues, right? So, yeah, they might get healthy, but when? And when they get healthy, is Brandon Woodruff going to be able to go seven or eight innings? No, it'll probably take him time to get stretched out. Aaron Ashby's probably not going to start at any point this season. They don't have enough time to get him stretched out once he's actually able to pitch. So right now, the Brewers have Corbin Burns, who's just been pretty good, and Freddie Peralta, who's for the most part been great. But other than that, not a whole lot. So the strength of this team, supposed to be the starting rotation, the starting rotation is in shambles. It's almost 50% hurt, 50% injured. So the rotation is so-so. Well, what about the offense? What about the bats, right? Sure, they've done some things that I like. They've played some small ball here and there in moments. I think that's an improvement from the last couple of years. This team is not a solely home run or bust team. And they've had some small ball moments. I really liked watching that. I like seeing that out of this team. But this offense isn't going to power this team to many wins. Last night, they could barely do anything. They could barely do anything the night before or the night before. And St. Louis hasn't been able to get anybody out all season long up until this point. I know they're only 40-some-odd games in. But still, it's not like the St. Louis Cardinals have this all-star starting rotation. This offense is not going to be the engine that powers lots of wins. And who's the team's best hitter? Bottom of the ninth, you got a couple guys on, two outs, Brewers are down a run. Who do you want at the plate? I don't know. I don't know. Weimer and Terang are kids. Brian Anderson and Owen Miller are classic Brewers one-year bets. Willie Adamas seems like he's leaning more into last year's boom-or-bust approach. And we talked about that with David Gasper on Tuesday. I thought, is Willie Adamas going to lean more into hitting home runs this year? Is he going to try to further hone that power? Or is he going to try to add other parts to his offense that maybe were missing last year? It seems like he's going further down the boom or bust road. Rowdy Telez might be the most well-rounded hitter on the team. If you got to bet on one guy having a quality at bat, maybe it's Rowdy Telez, but he's like 40th in baseball in OPS. They don't really have a star. I don't really have someone I feel great about. And a couple of these guys, like, I like Brian Anderson. I like Owen Miller. They're nice stories. But I think this offense is a little bit closer to 2020 when they had Jed Jerko and I don't know who else was there. Justin Smoke and Ryan Healy. I think this offense is closer to that offense than 2018 or 2019 or 2021. That doesn't mean this is the 2020 Brewers, but... I don't know, Brian Anderson and Owen Miller kind of feel like they could have been members of that 2020 team. The offense isn't terrible. I'm not saying it sucks. I'm just saying it's not great. So the starting rotation is so-so. The offense is fine. What about the bullpen? I think the Brewers' bullpen is somewhere between fine and good. I think they fall somewhere within that range. I saw a real-life friend, but radio rival, Hunter Baumgart, tweeting about the bullpen the other night. And he called them the best bullpen in the National League. And I'm not arguing. I'm not throwing shade at Hunter for saying this. Who really knows who the best bullpen is? I I just feel like this Brewers bullpen is a little bit of a Potemkin village. Like, I don't. They've had nice moments. They've had nice games. I'm not betting my hard-earned cash on Yoel Piomps or Peter Strzelecki. That's not to say they're bad pitchers. But best bullpen in baseball. No, no, no. 2018. That was an elite bullpen. This is not. Plus, there's always a guy who's great in May that tails off and we kind of forget about him or the Brewers trade him, 
Rasmussen. Remember J.P. Fireisen was great a couple of years ago. Maybe that's Gus Varland this year. Like, for the first month, we're like, hell yeah, Gus Varland, great story. And then, hey, yeah, he just kind of phased out. We never thought about him again. I said this the other night. I still believe this about the Brewers pen. If these guys get rest and they stay fresh and Craig Council uses them in advantageous situations, I think they're fine and they can totally get the job done. That's to a T what happened on Tuesday night. Lined them up one in a row, one after another. They had gotten some rest. Now, Craig Council asked him to do quite a bit on Tuesday night, but I don't think they were put in unfair situations. Once they cleared the Wade Miley mess and they had to pitch the rest of the game, I, I, I think that was fine. Council said as much about Peter Strzelecki a couple of days ago. Right? Pete had a couple of rough outings, and Council said, well, he had been worked hard. He'd been pitching a lot. We have a chance to get him some rest. All of a sudden, he looks like a much better pitcher. Piomps is not Corey Knebel, and Strzelecki is no Josh Hader. They can be fine if Council keeps them fresh, which we need to realize and understand. When we're mad about Council not always going to Strzelecki or Piomps or Milner or, or these top-shelf relievers, at least the best options on this team, we need to realize Council can't pitch these guys every day because if he does, they're going to be tired, and then they're going to be useless. So we as fans need to be empathetic and realize that Craig Council needs to keep these guys fresh. And we also need to hope and pray that the starting rotation can get out of the second inning every once in a while because that's going to crush his bullpen as well. Or maybe the offense scores a couple of runs so Peter Strzelecki doesn't have to come in and pitching an inning and a half against a red-hot Cardinals offense with a bunch of huge bats in a one-run game. It's just a lot of ifs and buts with the Brewers' bullpen. If they, they get rest and if the offense can score some runs, and if the starting rotation doesn't completely back him into a corner, they can be fine. Okay, well, that's not exactly a crazy great endorsement. So do you get what I'm saying here? I'm saying the rotation is so-so, the offense is average, and the bullpen is fine. Well, if you take so-so plus average plus fine, you're not really getting a team that screams contender. And I'm not saying that this team stinks. They're five games above 500. If they go above 500 or if they go 500 the rest of the way, they're like an 85-win team, right? And that's certainly nothing to turn your nose up at. But I guess I just, I wonder what the ceiling for this team is. I wonder what we're hoping for. I wonder what we're aiming for. Because I I always like to believe that there's a best-case scenario for all of my teams. Well, if this goes right and this works out, then, then if they get a little lucky, then this could happen. I'm, I'm there. I, I'm always looking to, to look at the best possible outcome and get my hopes up and keep my fingers crossed. Don't get me wrong. I'm always down for that. And I think maybe there is a situation Christian Yelich finds some sort of MVP form and their starting rotation gets healthy late in the year and they're, maybe they add a bullpen arm. Totally. Yeah, that could all happen. But this team reminds me more of the 2020 Brewers, the pandemic Brewers than the 2021 Brewers or the 2018-2019 Brewers. And I'm not saying the Brewers should have a fire sale. That's not what I'm saying. Because there are fans who say that every year. Every year. Brewers have a bad week or they got a bad weekend. Oh, just trade. Just get something for Burns before he leaves for another. Yeah, trade Josh Hader, whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying the Brewers should be sellers. I'm not sure they should trade anything away. But this team is not last year's team or the 2021 team that won the division handedly. This team is very different. They're in flux with a couple of their young bats. Their starting rotation is in shambles due to injury, which really hasn't happened the last two years. Sure, Freddie Peralta gets banged up. Okay, but you slug Woodruff and Burns. That's significant. This team is different, and this team is in a different place and going through different things than the last couple of seasons. 
So maybe that means they should do some things differently. I, I don't know. Again, I'm not saying that they should sell. I am just here today waving my little flag that says, I don't think this is a great Brewers team. I don't think there's a part of this Brewers team that is great. And that makes it really hard for me to believe that there's some fantasy in August where they get healthy and they get hot and they could be a real contender. Let's see here. A couple of texts to get to before we take a break. Uh, (laughs) I can't believe the Packers would release a guy named Benji Franklin. That would have been awesome. Thank you for the text. Bone Roller says, I love that you're using huevos now. I just love expressions. Yeah, it took some huevos the other night from Craig Council to to use all his best relievers. Uh, Duncan Holman says, if she asks, what are we? Run. That's 23 years of marriage experience talking. Thank you for your wisdom, as always, Duck. Casey in West Salem says, the Brewers are severely, are sev- what? The Brewers are severely offensively deficient. It's a lot of words. Just like last year whose pitching staff has been decimated by injury. Yeah. It's, it's not necessarily the Brewers' fault. Like, Luis Urias is hurt. Garrett Mitchell is hurt. Brandon Woodruff is hurt. Freddy Peralta is healthy after last year, but then Wade Miley goes down and Aaron Ashby goes down. It's like, jeez. Hey, it's Mios. Joe in Oakdale. <laughs> he just says, I wonder, I wonder how the former defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, is spending his offseason. You got to wonder, Joe. Thank you for chiming in about the Timberwolves. Uh, let's see. Mark and Eau Claire says, is the bullpen 18-0 when leading after six innings? Yeah. Yeah. The, the bullpen has gotten the job done. But, Mark, use your eyes. Right? This is not an elite bullpen. This is a bullpen when, again, the guys are rested and they're put in good opportunities. They can succeed. Right, Craig Council. Craig Council has to actively manage this bullpen and set his guys up and really keep tabs on the rest for Peter Strzelecki and Hobie Milner. And when all of that goes perfectly, yeah, the bullpen can be good. But there's not a bunch of electric arms in that bullpen. There's Devin Williams and a bunch of guys who can be good enough when managed properly. Luckily for the Brewers and luckily for Brewers fans, there's not many managers in baseball who can manage a pitching staff quite like Craig Council. I know lots of you don't believe that. But sorry, it's true. Craig Council does a pretty good job, and that's why this bullpen, which is filled with a bunch of guys who are mostly just fine, they're actually taking care of business and winning this team a lot of games. 608-796-2558. Let's take a three-minute break. Come back. We'll talk more Brewers on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having an awesome night. Going to talk some NBA playoffs in a few minutes. Eastern Conference Finals got underway last night. Everything went exactly like I thought it would. I gave you not a prediction on Monday. I gave you an explanation and a spoiler for how the Eastern Conference Finals would go. So far, playing out exactly like I said, because I will be very right about the series. I'll be right about all things Celtics now until the end of time. Got this team dialed dialed we're gonna talk about game one heat celtics coming up next gonna talk some golf in the second hour of the show a real treat and i say that not sarcastically despite how my uh my tone makes it sound i talked to a high school buddy today who now works at oak hill country club 
in Rochester, New York, which is where the PGA Championship is being played right now as we speak. So we talked golf, and he gave us a little bit of a course rundown and talked to us about uh, some specific aspects of the course. So if you're a big golf fan and you're getting geared up to watch the PGA and you're like, all right, tell me about some of the interesting. Yeah, yeah, he gave you some of that. But he also just talked about, like, his schedule and what it's like to work and prepare for a PGA event, right? What his day consists of, some interactions that he's had with golfers. So just some random things, too. Fascinating conversation. His name's Dalton Rowan. He killed it. We're going to talk to him in about an hour. Right now, we're talking Brewers. I just don't think this team is great at anything. I think their starting rotation is so-so. I think their offense is average. And I think their bullpen is fine. And their bullpen can be good. And they can be good enough. But they're not elite. This team is not going to win because of their bullpen. They're not going to win because of their offense. And right now, they're certainly not going to win because of their starting rotation. So what are we doing? What are we? What is this team? Little identity crisis here on May 18th, 19th, 17th, whatever the date is. DW Nuglaris, the mayor, 608-796-2558. What's going on, DW? Hey, Grant. Long time no talk, but I felt like talking tonight. So yeah. uh, I think if the Brewers, like Sal Freelick wouldn't have been hurt, um, you know, and a couple kids from AAA are on the shelf right now, I think you would have seen them up. And then, you know, you might as well let White go. You might as well let... Uh, rough goal. I mean, they're swinging mess guys, and they don't do anything offensively. I mean, Winker. I mean, he's hitting the buck like two twenty. So, I mean, I thought they would do enough to bring some more offense to this year's team. But I mean, you know, you get shut out by a triple A pitcher last night. Come well, on, he's left-handed. I mean, you can't expect him to hit a left-handed batter. DW and look. I want to be very clear. This is not some referendum on the offseason. They did lots of things that I liked. There's parts of this team that I'm excited about. I'm not just overreacting to them losing two of three to the Cardinals. I'm genuinely interested and curious as to what you guys think as well. What's great about this team? What's their strength? I don't know. Well, I mean, on paper, it was supposed to be the pitching staff, but yep. you got everybody hurt now. Wait, you know, Woodward, Woodward isn't going to be back till probably July 1st. I don't know how long. Have you heard anything on Miley? How long he's going to well, be out? He's getting lots of opinions. I'm kind of bracing for the worst and hoping for the best with Wade Miley, but he's a little older. And, yeah. like, I'm no doctor, but the lat muscle seems like it's probably connected to a couple different things. Probably pretty important yeah, for throwing. I mean, is he, Ethan Small going to be brought up from AAA? Is he healthy down there? I heard he's been uh, pitching pretty well. Uh. Ethan Small is interesting. I thought he was on the trajectory to maybe become a, a middle reliever, you know, follow the same path that Freddie Peralta took and Corbin Burns and, and Aaron Ashby. I'm not sure. He really right. struggled in the spring and he was sent down. I guess I haven't really thought about Ethan Small at all. My hope okay. is that Adrian Hauser can just be productive and useful in some way, which now yeah. they're going to need him to sp- I mean, start. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Adrian's got a real shot right now because he pitched pretty well last year for the most part. And, uh, you know, with all these injuries of the starting staff, I mean, he could, with three, four strong starts, he could lock in a start, a, you know, a starting pitcher job for the rest of the year, I'm assuming. Um, so I, I really like Adrian. He, he does, uh, he does enough to, he, he does enough to be good, but he's not great. But we got to have Corbin keep on pitching good, and we got to have Freddie. He can't have any 
I didn't see the game when he had six walks and the Cardinals put up 18 against the Brewers. But, yeah. I mean, if, if you get a great starting pitching, like Corbin Burns had a great six innings last night, but you got no, you got you left 12 runners on base. You got to do something with 12 runners on base. I mean, you just can't keep every offense night leave 10, 12 runners on base and waste a good pitching performance. Well, if you're facing a left-handed pitcher, I. I don't think we can take anything off the board for what this Brewers offense is is capable of. If they face the lefty, anything anything is possible, DW. Hey, you know what, Grant? I think if you put it on a tee and let them hit it where they want it to, they probably still do. Yeah. I mean, they got they got too many guys that are they don't have enough contact hitters in that lineup. I mean, you know, Willie Adams is a great shortstop, but his offensive game is. He might pop 25, 30 dingers, but he also strays about 100 times. Yeah, and it seems um, to be more extreme this year than last year. Like, I, I thought maybe Willie Thomas this offseason yeah. would look at his game and think, all right, I, I perfected the power. Now i got to add some other parts yeah. to my game. And, DW, look, you said this Brewers team, they don't have enough contact, guys. It's not like they're smashing a bunch of home runs either. They're 14th in the league. They're league average in home runs. So it would be one thing if they were striking out and, and not getting hits and also hitting home runs, but the, the power isn't there. Yeah, I just, you know what? you got to make contact. you got to put the play, you got to put the pressure on the defense. Make them feel the ball and make you throw it out. I mean, I mean, if we struck out in high school, our coach was telling us to give us 10 push Every strikeout, you had to give us 10 push-ups after you the bet. game. I mean, and you don't see that today. I mean, Pro baseball is all about the pitching and all about the home run. So, I mean, if you hit, get three out of ten hits, I mean, you know, you get three hits out of every ten of bats, you're hitting 300, you're a, you're a godsend. Yeah. But, now, now well, these days, if you strike out, you get a cup of Gatorade and a tap on the ass. Because strikeouts aren't that bad. At least it's not a double play, DW. That's the problem. I know it. I know it, Grant. <sighs> Hey, listen, I like I like, uh, I like your show. Keep it up, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks, DW. Have an awesome night. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, you too. The self-proclaimed mayor of New Glarus, DW. Thank you for the call. It had been a while. 608-796-2558. Eric from Willie Street says, we're a 500 team. Simple as that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Take out some of the, the, the wins earlier in the year where they got a little hot streak on that road trip and take away a sweep from the Royals. This is mostly a run of the mill 500 team. The more games we play, the closer the team gets to 500. And I'm not saying that they're awful and they're this failure and the front office screwed up and everyone should be fired and everyone should be traded. I'm, I'm just looking for the one part of this team. Where's the identity? Where's the strength? What are we building around? And it's just a lot of meh. It's a lot of blah. It's just a lot of average. Let's talk to Corey and Marshall before we take our next break. 608-796-2558. What's going on, Corey? Not too much, man. How you doing? Long time. I haven't talked to you in a bit. Yeah. How you been? I've been good. I hear you calling over the line. I, I know you're still in the loop. You're a busy man. I get it. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's the way it is in the working world. It all goes after you get done with the day. I really don't have much left uh, in the mental tank. I just kind of want to just sit back and let the waves of the words wash over me as they yeah, you just you just want to chill out and, and enjoy your commute home i get it and you'll you'll have that on on them bigger jobs you're tired but i'm glad but, to hear from you tonight cory this is a treat but you motivated me by your by your question grant and you know you, you point you made a good point just now you said what are they really good at and i don't i think they are just kind of drifting to the abyss to an extent 
they're really that's what they're good at is just drifting around. If you want to ask, you know, pin down like what are they good at? That's what they're good at. Just kind of like drifting from one crisis to another. I use this term at work a lot: firefighting, putting out fires constantly back and forth, yeah, with no real strategic plan. I don't want to try to get dramatic or anything, but that's what it feels like when you watch the Brewers. It's just like one problem after another, and they mentioned it this morning, as I'm sure you heard. It's like they came into the season like, yeah, pretty good pitching staff, right? And then you know, Woodruff goes down, and then now Miley's gone down with a lat. I can say last night I was doing shadow boxing. I tweaked my back, and I can imagine if you're doing a pitching, like a high-level pitcher, some schlub like me, like all day today, it was like pain everything every movement because it's all in your core right so i would think for a guy like that that's not going to be good and i agree with you when he's going around getting more opinions that's usually a bad sign you know i i, I don't foresee good things probably coming out of that from wade miley um and then by the time woodruff comes back it'll be early july and they'll probably be out of it and we'll be watching the last few starts of corbin burns before he gets traded away because you think about the offense now all your guys that were rookies that, that were starting to play pretty well. You got, uh, you know, Darren Mitchell's done for the season. You know, like, and the mayor just mentioned when he called in, Sal Freelick, he'd be up already right now, but he screwed up his thumb. Won't be back till summertime. And then Keston here, the, you know, Rowdy's son, his knee is screwed up. So he's done until June. It's not a good situation. It's not good. No, not at all, Corey. Not I, good. You know, I'm, I'm having thoughts watching these guys like, okay, here's Owen Miller. Here's Brian Anderson. Here's Mike Brasso. And I close my eyes and I think of the 2020 Brewers. It's just guys. It's like, here's Jed Jerko. Yeah. Here's Ryan yep, Healy. Yep. Here, you know, who's exactly. the other? Justin Smoke. And it, like, I don't want to put that on this Brewers team because the Brewers have to do that. They need to make one-year bets with some of these guys. And they do. hope they got a great year. I, I get it. I just can't get the image of the 2020 team out of my head. And that's due to injuries. It's because guys are hurt, but yep. some of these injuries are going to take a while. So I, I know an optimistic Brewers fan might say, well, they'll get healthy. Just wait for, for Burns to get, or uh, Woodruff to get healthy in Ashby. It's going to be a while. That's a long time it to wait for these time. guys to get healthy. And then Yelich threw up his back yesterday, the other day from that play over the weekend from the Royals. Ugh. Right? By running the from, I guess he ran too hard from second to third base and from third base to home and he was coming from first. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit of like insert non-player character here for the next player that they put in uh, in their offense Darren, for all intents and purposes. Ruff. It's like, okay, now let's get him in the it's mix, like, you know? who, who is this guy? Yeah, that's the bum they signed the other day to take over uh, the guy they can't button his shirt up, Blue Point's position oh, at first base. Like, okay, just, you know, rotate another guy in there and we'll see what he can do. Maybe you should go trial for pitching grant. You're good. You got some height on you, maybe some length. They you could just, do pretty well, I they think. They just got to tread water until Luis Urias comes back or Paige Speronic Bobblehead Day, whatever comes first. They, they just got to tread water. Next, I'll take that ladder. Yep, for sure. I'll take the Ooh, ladder. Right there. I got to I gotta take a break, Corey. It was nice to hear from you. You as well. Hopefully, you'll see you at the golf outing in June. Oh. Hopefully, you can make it down. It's a Saturday. Hell yeah. You don't have Corey. any excuses. I don't Hell have yeah. any. Hell yeah. I don't Hell have yeah. any. Have a, have a good night, Corey. I don't. I, I love. They always tell me this. It's a Saturday. You don't have any excuses. I live two hours away. How's that for starters? I I just want to be held to slightly different standards than my Madison counterparts. 
And I'm, I'm glad that I'm wanted at the golf outing. I was able to be there last year, but last year it was in August. August is a much easier month. And last year, when I went to the golf outing, I left lacrosse in the morning, rolled into Madison in the afternoon, then after the golf outing, left Madison to go to the cities because I flew out for vacation the next morning. So I will, I will go to great lengths to be at the golf outing, but we'll see. I got a busy month of June. 608. 7962558 call text the show. We'll talk a little bit more brewers and then I want to talk NBA playoffs before too long. Wisco Sports Show back in 5 minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Talking Brewers. A little bit of an identity crisis. I want to be very clear. I'm not freaking out because they lost two or three to the Cardinals. This is not me overreacting to a loss. You will find no radio host who can ignore a loss like me. I understand the Brewers season is very long. They play a lot of games, so they're going to lose a lot of games. And there's no one who can turn off Valley Sports Wisconsin and turn off an NBA game like me. I I pull the cord. I get out. I'm like, all right, they're down four to nothing. Oh, I'm not going to bother with this anymore. And I'm going to turn on basketball. Or I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to do something else. Right? And I think that leads me to be a little bit more balanced about the Brewers. So this is not me overreacting to them losing two of three to the Cardinals. This is me taking a holistic look at the last month, you know, 40 games. It's like, what are the Brewers great at? Because for this entire window, when Craig Council has managed the team, really 2018 and, and forward, they've been great at something every year. And an elite bullpen in 2018. 2019, they had a pretty good bullpen, but also a kick-ass offense. 2020 was whatever. It was a weird year. 2021 really great starting rotation started to come around. Corbin Burns is great. And then Willie Thomas comes over. They start smacking home runs last year, even though the team had their struggles, they still had an elite rotation. Okay. You can, you can pick out something every year and say the Brewers are good at that. That's their identity this year. I don't know. Nothing really to grab onto. So that's what I'm dealing with today. It's, it's like when a, when a, a couple has been, you know, having fun for a month or so going on some dates, messing around. And one goes to the other, hey, what are we? It's like, oh, boy, okay, so now we're getting serious. That's, that's what we're doing today. What are we? What are the Brewers? We've been having fun for 40-ish games, and I just, help me see it. What do I need to see? What am I missing? Cone Roller, 608-796-2558. What's going on, Cone? Grant, you, you're really hitting home with this what are we, you know, conversation. Because, you know, I've, I've been a single guy for about the last year. Okay. And, you know, casually dating. And I've had a lot of those conversations and can really see it the way we look at the Brewers as well. So, I guess from your perspective, what are the expectations? in? It, you speak for Brewers fandom. What are the expectations for this team this year? Hope versus expectations is tough. I think Brewers fans, I don't think they'd be unreasonable to think this Brewers team should have a good shot at winning the division. Don't you? Like, I don't think that's an unfair expectation to win the division. And I realize they're in first place. So so they're well on their way to doing that. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think this is a good question that you've asked. We need to consider the expectations before we start to think about whether this team is good enough or not. 
Yeah, because I've been trying to kind of the last like two weeks, really since the Bucks have been eliminated, been getting back into the Brewers and really just trying to like figure out what 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 are these guys? What do we think they're going to do? I think division championship is uh, kind of a no brainer just with how bad the rest of the division is. Okay, um, still not counting out the Cardinals. But, yeah, I, you know, I don't think that's unreasonable at all to say this team should win the Central. And then, you know, the classic saying in baseball is, you know, you get in and you can see what happens. So Yeah. And, I like, with the last couple of Brewers teams, I haven't had an issue, like, closing my eyes and thinking, okay, if they get in, you know, what's the best-case scenario? Where the starting pitching is amazing and Yelich gets hot for a month. Okay, I can see that. Devin Williams is locking down games. I can, I can see that. I guess I, if this Brewers team gets into the postseason – They'd have to get healthy, and a lot of things would have to happen. But that's okay. It's May. We don't need to think that far in advance. When is, by the way, in your opinion, when is it too early to ask someone that you are seeing casually, what are we? When, 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 when is too early, do you think? How long do you need to be together before you start asking questions like that? Ooh, that is a good question. I think everybody is a little different. Every relationship's different. But I would say maybe by, like, the fourth date, Okay. You should kind of have something figured out of like, all right, where do we see this going? Is it, you know, you, if by that time too, you kind of know the intentions, I think, of the other person. So fourth date, I'd say. Okay. I know Tony in Texas likes to tell us a lot about his, his relationships and his love life. So maybe we can get his opinion on that as well. But yeah, I, I guess I just, I don't know. And Joe from Oakdale texted and he said, well, the Brewers are in first place by a couple of games. They're above 500 despite all the injuries. Yeah, I know. It's just I want a team cone that can capture my imagination a little bit. I want a team that makes me think, oh, man, if only this, that, and the other thing go right, this team could go on a run and they could really contend for a championship. And I, I'm struggling to see that with this Brewers team, even though they're in first place. Yeah, it's definitely different vibes, you know, compared to 2018, 2021, even I think had a little better vibes around oh, yeah. the team after that Adonis trade. So, you know, it's still early. There's still a lot of time left. Matt Arnold, he can make some moves. Um, obviously, we got a lot of guys on the injured list, so that sucks. But we'll see. I, I don't hear anybody calling for the strength and conditioning coach of the Brewers' head yet. I mean, we're, we're all over the, these batting coaches all the time. But, you know, That's maybe true. we turn some pressure to the, the strength and conditioning staff. Maybe I should hold those individuals accountable. Maybe I should use my platform and, and – Use some journalistic uh, responsibility or whatever the expression would be to really put the heat on. Maybe you're maybe you're correct. By the way, Aaron and Eau Claire text in and says cone roller gets around. It sounds like. Do you have a comment on that? Um, not really. I haven't been on a first date in the last like month or two, so you know it's kind of a kind of a mindset thing, I guess. You know when I'm in the mood to go out and when I'm not. And just really haven't been in the last month or two. Like LeBron's zero dark 30 mode that he goes into. It's an on-off switch you got to flip, I suppose. However, I am going to a happy hour after work today. I don't know what your opinion on happy hours is, but for me, they're a little overrated. With coworkers? I don't know. Or just in general? Just in general. So this is tough for me because I work until like 6, 630. So when people in my building go out for drinks, they're going at 445, 5 o'clock. So I never get to go. I always miss out. I would love to drink with my coworkers, but they, they go out before me, so I never really get an opportunity to go. I like day drinking. I know 4 or 5 o'clock isn't day drinking. I love going out earlier in the day on Saturday to drink. 
I don't need to be out until 1 a.m. on Saturday night. Let's go handle that in the afternoon, and then we can come home and relax at night. So on Saturdays, I like happy hours. But with coworkers, I guess, I don't know. I never really have the chance. All right, that's fair. Well, maybe get out to a couple happy hours, maybe sometime this summer. Lacrosse is a great place to do that. Cheapest drinks in the Midwest by far. So you've got a lot of opportunity here, and I'm eager to hear your opinion on them because (laughs) I'm officially stating my opinion is that they're overrated. Happy hours are overrated. Okay, well, maybe we can get some others to chime in on that. i got to take one last break for the hour cone. Appreciate you. Good luck at happy hour. Yep. Thank you, Grant, and loving the new bumper music. Thank you, Cone. Uh, have a good night. Awful announcing just tweeted, Pat McAfee's surprised by reaction to ESPN move. Quote, that was a miscalculation. Well, I'm going to read this article. Oh, Tony from Texas is giving us a call. Well, we'll get Tony's thoughts on dating and happy hours and what's going on with the Brewers here before we take a break. What's going on, Tony? Hey, Grant, just followed up on Cone. Cone Roller, absolutely right. Four dates is is when you start talking about those things. Because after three dates, Grant, you better have sealed the deal. You know what I'm talking about? So, Cohen is absolutely right. And, you know, let me talk to you about Dave from Monona. Dave's got to just relax and watch a Bravo show, maybe (laughs) a Lifetime movie, and drink a glass of wine. I don't know if he's got a lady friend or not, but I think it would do him well, Grant. I really do. Just mellow out a little bit. Well, that's how Dave is. Dave is pedal to the metal from the second he wakes up in the morning. And that's just that, you, you cannot know. Fox Grant. You cannot have Fox News on twenty four seven or OAN or any of these Newsmax or whatever. It's just going to drive you nuts. Well, he just wakes up ready to fight someone every day, and that's why we love Dave. But also, that's I think why Dave drives himself a little nuts. Yeah, and I respect Dave. I, I do, and and Dave's kind of the guy that probably did watch like a Maury Povich show during like afternoons. <laughs> I don't know if he works during the day. And, and the reason I say that is Maury used to do these blood tests, uh, like, you know, DNA tests on illegitimate kids. Yeah. I swear to God, Jimmy Butler is Michael Jordan's illegitimate son. This guy is unbelievable in the playoffs, dominating, looking like prime MJ. It, it, I, I can't believe what this fan's accomplishing right now with the Heat. Why do you think a team that was almost out of the playoffs has now gone on a run to the Eastern Conference Finals? We you see this in the NFL all the time. We see it in baseball. We don't see it in the NBA, Tony. I don't get it. It, it. it wasn't like this back in the day. So here's my thing. I, You know, you, the Bucks had the best record, right? And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it, it didn't happen in the playoffs. And Miami did not play a lot of their guys during the year, uh, injuries and per se. But Hero is not even playing right now for them. Arguably, maybe their third best player is not playing right now. Uh, we, we cried and, and moaned about Chris Middleton not playing last year. Against or against the Celtics, right? Yes. I mean, Tyler Hero's their third best player, and look at what Jimmy Butler is doing. Uh, Marquette's Jimmy Butler carrying them on his back. It's it's unbelievable. I, I don't have an explanation. I, I know Eric Spolstra. I do think Eric Spolstra is possibly putting himself in the top seven or eight coaches of all time, and the guy is putting together plans that are just frustrating Jason Tatum, and and Jimmy Butler is. The guy's a beast. He's a leader. He's getting guys fired up. I believe in heat culture. I don't. I, I never thought I'd say it. I believe it. Well, I think you have to believe it after watching what's gone down. I'm going to talk about Eastern Conference Finals, some things going on with the Heat and the Celtics, but i got to take one more break. I'm woefully late for a break, Tony. I, I understand, Grant. But, yeah, good take by Cone. He's right about the dating scene. And I wish Cone, I, I want Cone to find love, too. 
Yeah, I, uh, I'm glad we agree on the he's, fourth he's thing. He's in a great market, by the way. It's not hard. Come on. A lot of young professionals in Phoenix. Everyone's it's happy like all the exactly time because of the River sun. Falls here. What was he's that? Not exactly in River Falls, Wisconsin. He's not exactly in River Falls, Wisconsin. Why, you know why, I mean? why are you taking a drive by at River Falls? River Falls is beautiful. Oh, come on. Come on, Grant. I've been to both places. Let's let's get real. The Kinnikinnick is a beautiful river. I've fished there many times. I'm sure, I'm sure it is. I love to go fishing. I love to go hunting up north. But you know what? I'm That's not, I'm not up north. Up oh, there. my God. River Falls is not even close to up north. Not. No. Oh, it's we, not even as close the Twin Falls, Cities. Then? What do we call it then? It's up north from Milwaukee. Oh God! All right. Coastal elite. I mean, anything that's north of Milwaukee's got to be north. It's Milwaukee and the rest of the state, Grant. It's Milwaukee and the rest of the state. You got to accept that, and that's the way it's going to always be. Oh my God! Thank you, Tony. I do have to take a break. Uh, all right, but it, it kick Kenosha out to Illinois. Uh, we don't need that. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm with you. I'm not going to push back on that. Thank you, Tony. I'm anti Kenosha, but I don't know why we're taking drive-bys at River Falls, the beautiful Big Rivers Conference. Although I think River Falls. River Falls might have switched conferences. This is the part of the show where everyone texts in to correct me. What conference is River Falls? Are they in the MVC now? I think they might be. They might be in the Mississippi Valley. Three minutes. We'll come back. Wrap up hour number one of the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My name is Grant Bills. We only got about 30, 40 seconds here before we got to take a break. We'll get an update from Zach Heilbrin. Come back. I want to talk basketball, NBA playoffs, Eastern Conference Finals. And at 530, we're going to talk a little golf. And I'm really looking forward to it because I had a chance earlier today to record a quick conversation with my good, good high school buddy, Dalton Rowan. Menominee Mustang, just like me, speaking of the beautiful Big Rivers Conference. He works at Oak Hill Country Club. He's a part of the uh, the grounds crew, working on the greens, getting the course ready for the PGA. We're going to talk to him at 530. Don't miss that. Really fun conversation. Hour two, coming up next. Yeah, we just we just didn't get the hit with one man on base. You know, kind of had some traffic, a lot of innings, or a runner on, or a lot of innings. And the hit with the runner on base, or the extra base hit with the runner on base never happened. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I got a text here from uh, St. Paul Schmidt, who is questioning Tony's legitimacy. He says, is Tony a... A Wisconsin casual. Now, Tony does live in Texas these days. Tony has Wisconsin roots. I believe he is uh, from Milwaukee. A Whitnell grad, if I remember correctly. He said River Falls is up north. And that's just a really, really bad take. Uh, River Falls is actually, by my estimations using Google Maps, about 59 minutes south of up north. uh, Because up north begins at Highway 8. And not a moment before. And if you think it's Highway 64, if you think it's Highway 73, if you think it's Highway 10, oh my God, if you think it's Highway 10, you're beyond a casual. That's that's a whole different thing. Just because it's north of Milwaukee. Oh my God. 
Oh, Tony, 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 Tony. Now, the rest of the call was fine. Uh, Tony actually echoing a point made by Cone Roller that the fourth date, that's when you can first uh, ask somebody who you've been seeing casually, what are we? Let's talk about where this is going. Dave from Monona texts in to address Cone Roller and says, Cream Corn can't get a fourth date because he would bore her to death first. Uh, Dave, that's pretty funny. I I, I might actually uh, I have to pass that along to Cone. What's up, Dave? <laughs> Dr. D in the house. First of all, if you have to ask her where you are, you're in trouble. If you haven't banged her by the fourth date, I don't think that's what we're not talking about that. Like we're not talking about sealing the deal. We're talking about, are we, are we an item? Are exactly. We, are, if is, you haven't done that, well, yeah, if you haven't done it for the fourth one, that, that, that's a good sign. Oh, it's, 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 oh, that's a good, see, that's, that's how you tell where you're at. If you're, if you're sealed the deal in the first couple of dates, it ain't going anywhere. But if the fourth, fifth one, you're still hanging out and having fun. Doc, Dr. D in the house is eight. You know, you got the odds of you making it are pretty good because uh, the anticipation. Uh, you know, when you ruin anticipation the first, see, I bet your generation, though, it's all that momentary success. You get to be established at our age, hey, it's, it's build up to the uh, the crescendo, you know, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Uh, you got to have some fun. Some suspense. I mean, after the first, I got gotcha. you. You know, I got gotcha. you. I, I keep I'm talking about all right, that's, that's Dr. D for a uh, fourth day, but now cream corn. I think I really do. I really think he would bore her to death. I mean, I, Tony, we all, he's begging on River Falls, man. I mean, considering we all know what comes out of Texas, right, Tony? Everybody what? knows. So, but not for the call. Bucks. Not for the call. Yeah, Bucks. Yeah, yeah what do you, yeah, go ahead. Bucks, go ahead. They're talking about this next coach. It isn't going to matter who they hire because the key to the next hire is. If Giannis would, 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 show, would show some guts and stop having babies and be assertive, I mean, we all blame Coach B, which I do. He didn't make adjustments. But come on, I mean, the whole world knew that Giannis should have been guarding Butler. If Giannis would have showed some guts and initiative and said, hey, now ask yourself this question here, uh, Grant Radio Land. If that was, um, 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 oh, my God, the guy from L.A. Wait, the oh, coach? No, who's the greatest? Who's, who thinks he's great? Oh, oh LeBron. LeBron. Yeah, LeBron. Oh, my God. Ding, hey, ding, no, ding. You got me all excited about Dr. D. Do, do you think if, Dr., if uh, LeBron was on this team, he would let Coach B say, hey, you're not guarding that guy. We're going to keep Holiday. Even though he was all, all pro defense throughout the year, there are times where guys get taken to school. And, mm-hmm. no, Giannis next year, whoever the coach is, one, you got to get rid of Middleton. Middleton's a joke. He's not a number three. And, two, Giannis, come on, man. You're 29 years old. You're going to have to stop having babies, shoot free throws, and shows. And then you're with the games in the line. Say the hell with the coach. You're the greatest defender in the NBA. The babies you thing know, is just—it's tough. That's a, that doesn't have anything to do with this. LeBron's got babies. He's got a bunch of kids. I think he's got three. Yeah, but, but LeBron also. Uh, Michael, I keep going. I keep going back to the greatest player of all time. When Jordan got beat every year, the day after he didn't leave that gym until the season started, he played all 82 games. He didn't have load management. All those players back then. Now he took oh, my two, ankle. He hurts. took my two years hurts. off. He took two years off. Well, that's because he had to. But but while he was playing, no, he played eighty-two straight games. Sure. Every game because he knew the play, he, he knew the fans came to watch him play. That's true. Like, like Steph, like, like, you know, Steph until he takes until Steph got soft. He knew you know fans come to fans come to watch him. Giannis, 
I mean, I mean, I, I like Giannis. Giannis is a hell of a guy. I mean, there's a story about Giannis. One of my best customers in uh, Kenosha. He went to a game about a year ago, and his daughter and her mother came to pick him up. They're out and back. All these kids, hey Giannis, hey Giannis. He's he's in a car with his mom and brother. Come on, sign it. Somehow Giannis heard this guy. Hey, my daughter came up just to see you in her pajamas. He heard that, right? He stopped the car, got out of the car, and took a picture with my friend, 10-year-old Olivia. Oh. That girl cried. That girl cried for days. And he, he took a picture. Giannis talked to her. It was just, to me, that's the kind of guy Giannis is. But damn it. Take that compassion and get on the floor. Stop stop having babies. But uh, <laughs> as far as the, your playoff thing, you know, I don't care. I could care less. If the Bucks aren't in it, who cares? And one last thing for all you Brewer people. Yep. You're in first place. You're going to win a division by 10 games, and you're whining. I'm not whining. You're going to win by not 10 whining. games. Not, not, you, not, not whining. You, but... Discussing. We're discussing, Dave. Don't you think? We're just, I know, just but you, you're going to win by 10 games. It's over. The division's over. You got, you got Pittsburgh. The Cubs stink. The Cardinals stink. The Pittsburgh, well, who cares? <laughs> and you get you get everybody back. You tweak it a little bit. You know, hopefully at the all-star break. And you go into the playoffs and... But the ship's fall. But, but then you got you know Corbin Burns, Mr. Ten million dollars a year. You guys, you got the best team in the in the the baseball when it's healthy. Who cares? Worry about October. All right, I suppose. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate well, your Dr. call. Dr. Phil, if you need any rice cream corn, Dr. D is always always available. You, you called him Corn Maze on Twitter the other night, and I'm, I haven't stopped laughing about that. Oh, he's corn maze because it, it takes you about a day to have to try, try to get through that brain. You know, cheese and mice. Can you imagine a mouse in Corn Brain's brain? How the hell would he ever get from A to Z trolling around that brain? Uh, that, that'd be a scientist nightmare. Uh, thank you, Dave. Dr. D, have a good night. <laughs> Appreciate you. Again, I your Giannis takes are not like you want to hold them accountable. It's just the kids. You're going to lose folks on the kids. Stop having babies. It's, you can have babies. He's very committed. He's very, He's the type of guy that when they lose a game and he misses free throws, he stays late. He's in the gym. I, but, uh, but uh, Dave, I, I think you're just off base with the, the whole kids thing. The Eastern Conference Finals did start last night. So the Heat, team that beat the Bucks, and then the Celtics who beat the Cavs. Or, no, they beat the Hawks, and then they beat the Sixers in seven. Beat Ben Kenny's Sixers. Terrible. Game one was last night. Miami at Boston. Celtics were eight-and-a-half-point favorites. No, wait, 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 wait. wait a minute. Wait a minute. I just pulled up the box score. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're telling me. <laughs> you're telling me. That the Celtics won three of the four quarters and looked for most of the game to be the much better team. And then for a small stretch of time at the end of the game, that they forgot how to play basketball and they couldn't they couldn't seal the deal? No. Oh not no way. The Celtics never do that. What do you no 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 that would that would never happen. Look, I told you on Monday, I told you exactly how the series is gonna go. And I said on Monday, I'll say it again. I'm not predicting. I'm spoiling this for you. I'm telling you what's going to happen with 100% certainty. The Celtics are the much, much better team, and they will look much, much better 80% of the time. 80% of the series, you will watch these games on your television and think, wow, the Celtics are much better than the Heat. Boston is the the, the far superior roster. A, a lot more talent, a lot more depth, and, 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 and more physical and faster and just better at everything. That's what you'll think, and you'll think it in that voice. You'll be so you'll be so confident in what you see. The Celtics are that much better. You'll you'll sound like a professor. But the twenty percent where they don't 
look like the better team, that will cost them multiple games. It cost him a game last night. And I said on Monday, I'll say it again. The series will go six. It will go seven. Miami might even win. But for the majority of the series, you will watch this this matchup and think, the Celtics are way better. How are they losing this? Welcome to watching Celtics basketball. This team is the biggest tease. They are the biggest waste of time. They robbed us of getting Giannis potentially in the finals last year versus Steph, which would have been much better than what we got. They robbed Joel Embiid of getting to the conference finals. Robbed. They beat him. However you want to word it. In my viewpoint, I wanted to see from a consumer and a fan of the association, I wanted to see Joel Embiid advance. That's something I haven't seen before. I would like to see that. And the Celtics are like, no, no, no. We're going to painfully, painstakingly, miserably, barely win this series and waste everybody's time. And they're doing it again. They're going to do it this series. Miami has the best player in the series, Jimmy Butler. I know it doesn't make sense. I don't understand it, but he's the best player in the series. Might be the best player remaining in the playoffs. Eh, Jokic has been pretty spectacular. Miami has the much better coach, which isn't even 100% Joe Missoula's fault because he's a first-year head coach and he's doing all this for the first time. The best player in a series usually takes it, Jimmy Butler. And a, 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 a coaching gap this wide is really hard to find in the playoffs. You're not normally in the conference finals thinking, wow, this one coach is a 50, this other coach is a 5. Like the, the gap is massive. Miami's got the better player. They might just win this series despite being the far inferior team. Nothing about last night was surprising at all. Well, maybe the Celtics themselves were surprised. They seem surprised. And I don't know if that says more about the Heat or the, or the Celtics. I don't know if this says more about the Heat as a team or the rest of the NBA. But the Heat somehow keep finding a way to surprise their opponents with how hard they play and how intense they are. Like round one. The Bucks said, well, we were trying to win the finals. The Heat were trying to win the series. Round two, Julius Randle, I think it was after game four, plays for the Knicks, says, well, the Heat wanted it more than we did. Oh, that's a wild thing to say out loud. And last night, Jalen Brown, after the game, said this. Jalen Brown on the Celtics after losing game one. We came out too cool. Like, it was just almost like we was just playing a regular season game. Like, it's the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, come on. We got to play with it more intensity than we did today. And uh, we just got to be better, including me. We came out too cool. They wanted it more. We were trying to win the finals. They were trying to win the series. I I tell you, if the Heat win the finals, the championship DVD that they put out is going to be so stupid. It's going to be so dumb. Like, remember the, the, the Packers won the Super Bowl in 2010, and they put out that DVD. I remember, I don't know if my dad bought it or my grandpa had it, and I watched, and it was great, and the dramatic music and all the theatrics of a long playoff run and this unlikely run as a six seed, winning three times on the road, beating Michael Vick and Andy Reid's dream team, Dramon Williams, right? All these dramatic moments. And then going to Atlanta and taking down Matt Ryan, just a shootout in the dome. And then the Bears, the Packers, BJ Raji in the NFC Championship. Just dramatic. Think drop. Packers, Steelers. Just two NFL old-timey historical teams. It was great. The the DVD for the Miami Heat is going to be the dumbest thing. It's going to... I actually... I, I got some NFL films music here. The, the, it'll sound something like this. It'll sound like this. Music starts. We start in round one. The Bucks are much better, but they forgot to try. They were too focused on June to play in April. Play some clips. 
play Giannis. And then they go to round two. Round two. Julius Randle on the Knicks said the Heat wanted it more. And they did. So the Heat advanced. In the conference finals, the Heat came out hot and the Celtics didn't. And then you cut to the cut of Jalen Brown going, we came out too cool. We didn't try hard enough. So the story of the story of this run through the East is told by teams not trying as hard as the Heat. That's so that's so dumb. That's so stupid. Like, oh, well, why did the Heat make the final? I don't know. They tried harder, wanted it more than the other teams. Okay. I don't know if that says more about the Heat or about the rest of the NBA, but it's really dumb. I'm not... I'm not, I'm not happy about it. But I am cheering for the Heat. I realized that last night when I turned the game on. I'm cheering for the Heat. Because the, this postseason is a lost cause. I'm not going to be happy with whoever wins the title. If the Lakers win, that'll be kind of cool. If the Nuggets win, then Nikola Jokic, we can get legacy. He's got two MVPs in a ring. You know, he's got two MVPs in a ring, whatever. That's going to be tough. I'm going to be annoyed if the Heat or the Celtics win it. I just enjoy when Celtics fans are, are bummed. I just, I get a kick out of it. I enjoy it. The Heat fans, if the Heat lose the series, you're not going to hear from Heat fans. They'll start leaving the, the game in the third quarter and they'll move on to the Dolphins. The only, I don't listen to the Levitard show. I listen to Bill Simmons though and Ryan Rosillo. I'd like to hear them sad and, and bummed out. I'd love to hear sad Chris Mannix read some sad tweets from Keith Smith who writes for Celticsblog.com or Celticsworld.net or something like that. I always like reading his tweets after the Celtics lose. If the Heat are going to knock my team out and make me miserable, I want them to also do that to everyone else. If I can't be happy, no one can be happy. So I will pull for the Heat. Maybe the Celtics will remember to try in Game 2. We can talk a little bit more about the Conference Finals. Got to talk some golf with my good high school buddy, Dalton Rowan, who now works at Oak Hill Country Club in upstate New York. Working on the greens, getting the course ready. I talked to him earlier today. Really interesting conversation and something a little different which I think is always fun on this show. Let's take three-minute break. We'll come back, talk more hoops on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having an awesome night. Talking a little basketball, NBA playoffs. Before we talk golf with my good, good buddy, high school buddy, and fellow class of 2016 graduate from Menominee High School, Dalton Rowan. He works at Oak Hill Country Club on the grounds crew. And I asked him his title or his position. He told me that he's, okay, well, now I don't remember. Second something. I want to say second lieutenant, but that sounds more official he made it sound. Hmm. I can't remember. We'll talk with him in a couple minutes because I I was able to connect with him earlier today and ask him about the setup for a PGA event and everything that goes into it. And it's just really interesting. It's kind of fun. Something a little different. So we'll hear that conversation a little bit. Right now we're talking about Heat Celtics last night. Not surprising at all. The Celtics look like the better team for an overwhelming majority of the game. And then they pooped their pants when it mattered most. And the Heat stole game one in Boston because, of course, the Heat did. And, of course, that's what happened to the Celtics. Today, I was listening to a little bit of the reaction, some of the chatter. And for the most part, I'm very annoyed by sports TV. Not all sports TV. 
I love First Things First with Nick Wright, Chris Broussard, and Kevin Wilds. The other day, they were talking about matchups and strategy for Lakers-Nuggets game one. It was awesome. It was so great. It was like a 15-minute segment, very patient, very well thought out with stats. I'm like, this is great. Yesterday, I saw Broussard was taking some heat because he said that if Victor Wembenyama wasn't, what did he say? If he's Hakeem, it'll be a disappointment. And I'm like, look, when you hype a guy up as the greatest prospect ever, even greater than LeBron, sorry, that's what you get. I don't think that's an un- unreasonable take from Chris Broussard. Well, if you can just be Nick Batum. No, 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 you, you can't You can't then temper expectations. We've been told for a year, best basketball prospect in a while. Woj is telling us best prospect in the history of team sports, better than LeBron. You can't then turn around and put a ceiling on expectations and hype. That's not how that works. So I'll, I'll actually defend what Chris Broussard said, even if it was a little out there. First take has been annoying me a lot. And I and I think it's because Undisputed gets this reputation. Skip Bayless gets a reputation for being kind of toxic and kind of crummy and kind of being a hater and kind of being out there. I think Stephen A. Smith and First Take can be just as bad. And they get a pass. Here's Jay Williams from this morning, about a minute 19, talking about last night's game. And by a minute 19, I mean it's the clip is a minute and 19 seconds long. Even though they've beaten the Knicks, they're still not going to be. He's talking about the Heat. Even though they've beaten the Knicks... They're still not going to be favored. That's the reality of the world that we live in. First of all, what the hell does that mean? The world that we live, what? The world in where smart people set betting lines and realize that the Celtics are a better team than the Heat? That's the reality of the world we live in. Okay, whatever that means. Even though they beat the Knicks, they're still not going to be favored. That's the reality of the world that we live in. Are they the better team? I think right now they're playing their best basketball. And Jimmy Butler is one of the most special players we have in the game of basketball. In the game of basketball. So I just want to pay respect off the top. But I am disappointed in a guy that is part of our brotherhood. Um, and I, I love Jason Tatum as a player. I think he is one of the most dynamic players the game of basketball has. They are more talented on paper than the Miami Heat. Jason Tatum, there's no way in hell, Allen. In hell, he can have four shots in the second half. Four shots in the second half. Zero field goals made in the fourth quarter and three turnovers. He is coming off a 51-point game in game seven Mm -hmm. against the Philadelphia 76ers. Game seven is the most points scored in the game seven in the history of the NBA. Mm -hmm. By the way, the game before that, game six, he had 16 points in the fourth quarter. This team goes the way Jason Tatum goes. Would help if I turn my mic on. So here's what annoys me about first take specifically. Is for the entire NBA postseason, all they do is go on TV the day after a game and just, who had a bad game? Okay, we're going to slander that guy. Stephen A's been doing it with Anthony Davis. He's been doing it with Jason Tatum, James Harden. It's just tired. It's the same thing every day. And here, I've, I've been making predictions. Again, I'm not predicting. I'm spoiling Heat Celtics. I know exactly how this is going to go. Boston's going to win game two. And Jimmy's probably going to have a fine game. But, but he's not going to have a bad game to the point where you can criticize him. So what's going to happen is Stephen A. Smith is going to go on the air the day after Heat Celtics and rip Bam out of bio. That's what's going to happen. And it'll be something like, and I can't do a good Stephen A, but I, like I'll do my best. Be like, Jimmy Butler 
has been carrying this Heat team for weeks and weeks and weeks. And the first, the first time that he has a lackluster game against a defense like Boston, Bam Adebayo, you couldn't be bothered to show up. You couldn't be, bo- you couldn't be bothered to pick up a little bit of the slack. You're supposed to be the best or the second best player on a championship level team. Bam this, bam that. We got nothing from Bam last night. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be so dumb. It's going to be so, so, so dumb. Yeah, Jason Tatum looked bad, especially in the second half and the fourth quarter. But you know what? That's been Jason Tatum his entire career. He'll go for 60 one night, and then the next night, it'll look like he's never played basketball in his life. And, And what did I say? I said after game seven, well, here, full history of me being right about everything related to the Eastern Conference playoffs minus the Bucks series. We don't have to talk about that. After Jason Tatum went off in the fourth quarter of game six, I said, Jason Tatum won't look that that good the rest of the playoffs. That'll be his moment. But it was enough to get the Celtics back into the series and give them a chance in game seven to waste our time and advance one more round, even though they're not a serious contender. And then Jason Tatum went off for 50 in game seven. And I said, my bad, I was right. Or I was wrong. Jason Tatum has two good games in him this year. And then what did he he do after, after scoring 50? He played one of the worst games of playoff basketball I've ever seen him play last night. Because that's what he does. But it's such tired TV to just come on the air day after a game. Who who played who played poorly? All right, we're just going to badmouth him for an hour. That'll be great content. Great content. Uh, Dave from Monona called out Cone Roller, and Cone has sent in a rebuttal. That was such slander, and you didn't defend me. I'm done with you, Grant. After all I've done for you, your generation is so unappreciative for what people do to help you. You wouldn't be on the radio without me. How I would respond if I was Dave in Monona. <laughs> yeah, that's what Dave does. Aaron and Eau Claire says, be careful, you might get canceled. I, I can't get canceled for doing a weak Stephen A. Smith impression. Can I? Can I? Does anyone know? Ugh. Hope not. We'll see. That is what's going to happen, though. That's what's going to happen. The Heat are going to lose game two, and Jimmy's going to be fine, but not great, and Bam will probably be poor, and Time Lord will look really good in defending him. So, so Stephen A will go on air the next day and be like, Bam, you couldn't be bothered to show up and, and, and give Jimmy Butler a little bit of help? It'll be so dumb. Let's take a break. We'll talk golf coming up next. My high school buddy, Dalton Rowan, gave us a couple of minutes from his car. He had, he had his sunglasses on, his earpiece in, all of his golf garb on. You can hear the birds chirping in the background. This is A1 golf content. Now, I'm a golf casual. I did my best to ask good questions. So hopefully there'll be something in this conversation that everybody can enjoy. He works at Oak Hill which is the golf course where the PGA Championship is being played right now as we speak in upstate New York in Rochester. We talked about a bunch of random things related to this tournament and related to his job at the course. I found it super interesting, a little fun, fun change of pace for this show as we don't talk golf. I certainly don't talk to my high school buddies very often. So we'll talk with Dalton Rowan. Five minutes and we're back on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. off tonight so we can all focus on Lakers Nuggets. Yes? I don't know what I'm going to do tonight. Friend invited me to come over, maybe grill some burgers outside, and that does sound nice. Maybe I'll fully commit myself to playing video games tonight, although that's what I did last night, so. Should I really do that two nights in a row? I think I'm going to go for a run. The rest of the night we can figure it out. I'm going to watch at least the second half of Lakers Nuggets. I might try to get some other things done. 
I know you're endlessly interested about this. I know you're, you're sitting on the edge of your seat listening to what I'm saying right now. Tweet me at Wisco Grant. You can text me 608-796-2558. Uh, we're going to set the phone aside because I want to play you an interview I did with one of my longtime buddies from high school, actually. His name's Dalton Rowan, and he works at Oak Hill Country Club. He's worked there for about a year, and he'll tell you about it. And that's where they're hosting the PGA Championship this weekend. And I don't talk a lot about golf on this show, and I'm certainly not an expert, but I thought it's not like the Bucks are in the middle of a playoff run. It's not like the Brewers are red hot and trading for Shohei Otani. We can make 15 minutes to talk about a golf event and and hear from someone who's there and working on the course and can give us the rundown and what is it like to get a course ready for an open, or not an open, a major. Not just a, a, a professional golf event, but an actual major. One of, you know, four or five of the biggest golf events of the year. So I spoke with him earlier today. I didn't really know how it was going to go because I've known Dalton a while, but I, he's not doing radio hits every other week. And I didn't know if if he would be down to tell us stories and get into it. And he totally got into it. And I think we've all had a moment where uh, we have a friend who goes on to do something, starts a new job, uh, or maybe, I don't know. I have a lot of friends who have moved around the country to do jobs. I have I have one who is a fishing guide in Montana. I have one who works at a golf course in Utah. Another one that this one works in New York. I got one who's teaching yoga in the cities. Like I, I just, I feel very, uh, I don't know, it makes me happy. It makes everybody happy to see their friends go places and do cool things. And I was talking to Dalton today and I'm like, man, you're, you're killing it. You're an expert on this stuff. You're all about it. So it was a cool moment for me. Not that you care, but a little background into the, the conversation. Here is my talk with Dalton Rowan. Uh, and I'd like to think that there's something in this interview for everyone, even if you're not a diehard golf fan, because I'm not. So enjoy. This is from earlier today. We're here with Dalton Rowan. He is live at uh, Oak Hill in Rochester, New York. Dalton, you're a, you're a fellow Menominee Mustang like me, class of 2016. And people forget that you were the brain trust of Nate Stanley's offensive line. I don't know if Nate Stanley ends up at Iowa without you. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, some people do say that. Um, not <laughs> sure if Nate would, though. Well, Nate probably wouldn't. I, I, I would say that. But you're now at Oak Hill, uh, and I appreciate you coming on and giving us a lid on. When did you start at the course, and what is your, what's your official job title? Like, I don't just want to say you do grounds work at Oak Hill. Like, you, you have to have a job title. What exactly is it that you do, and, and when did you start there again? Uh, yeah, so it started just over a year ago, actually, early May last year. My official title is second assistant. Um, nice. We have a bunch of us, though. There's a head of grounds, first or head of grounds, east west super. Um, third assistant would be a uh, PGA coordinator, and then we have our east and west course supers. So, so you have the PGA good- championship this weekend. When did that prep start? Like, it had to be, obviously, months and months, if not years ago. So when did the planning and the preparation kind of first come together for an event like this? Uh, so it was announced they got it, I think, back in 2014, 2015. Uh, back then, it was still the August tournament. Um, it switched a couple years later to the May tournament, which kind of threw a loop in everything, made people wonder how uh, upstate New York, western New York, would perform in a May tournament. But we, at the course... Uh, we closed in October of last year to okay. all carts. And then by the end of October, member play was fully shut down. Okay. So, and then we haven't opened this spring. So it's been a, uh, it's been no foot traffic really 
besides grounds crew on the East course. So maybe this is a dumb question. You would have opened already. If not for this event this weekend, you would have had people on this course for a while. Now you've kept it shut down just for this event. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we would have, we would have been opened. I think technically probably mid April, early April had a little warm stretch and that's I'm sure when we would have opened. Yeah, so let's talk about a little bit what you do day to day. You have to get up at like what four o'clock. You always you're in our group chat. You're always complaining that you got to go to bed at like seven thirty my time or, or whatever it is. So you're up with the sun. What's your day to day like? What's your job actually consist of? Day to day for me, uh, yeah, we're in usually by four thirty. This oh. week's a little different. Um, this week we're in three or three fifteen. Oh. Uh, but yeah, usually typical week, 4.30, we're in, I'm usually doing some sort of either I'm spraying uh, H2O irrigation or some sort of mowing work. Normally, it's the spraying or irrigation in the summer months, fall and springtime, maybe it's more project style work. Fall time is a lot of leaf removal and projects. So kind of an assortment of things. Yeah. But uh with the spraying and watering being kind of at the top of the list. So what what are some of the extra PGA things that you guys have been doing? Extra prep. I'm sure you're building structures and seating and tents. And, and what, what's kind of been added to your plate into the course's plate in preparation for this? Um, the course itself had the entire build out from the PGA. So, yeah, all the structures, tents, fencing, whatnot. The PGA takes care of that whole side of things. Cool. As far as we go, it was more from the agronomic standpoint of just overseeding fertilization, um, more sprays at lower rates, things of that nature, just to bring the course along and help it jumpstart jump start the season earlier as we were, we were pretty cold this spring, pretty cool for a good majority of it. So we needed uh, some of that stuff to help us out. Was there something that everyone was worried about? Like, man we really got to work hard to get this ready, whether it's a green or a certain hole or or what was the most stressful part in in preparing for this tournament? Yeah, I know as far as like the grass goes, greens, fairways, approaches, we knew would be okay. It was just a matter of getting, you know, a week or two of some sunshine, which we got in mid-April. So we were good on that. Uh, The big thing was the rough, just getting the rough to grow. I mean, getting it for majors... Yes, exactly. For majors, yeah, it's a little longer, a little thicker, a little more difficult. So that was the big, I don't know if you call it worry, but that was the number one priority as far as getting things ready this spring. And I'd say so far, so good from that standpoint. So this course specifically, if you were to compare it to other courses on the PGA or just other courses that you've worked at, because I know you've worked at, at a lot of courses just within you know the time that I've known you, what makes this course specific? Like if I were to ask you about Oak Hill and you had to sell me on it, what's its unique thing and what can we watch for this weekend so we can point at our TV and say, oh yeah, Dalton told us about that or he works specifically on, on that? Uh, this course specifically all week, is, the talk has been rough and bunkers. Me personally, I think the bunkering is going to play a big role in it. Um, I've been doing a little work on them, not a ton, but the bunkering, it, they're just deep and they're bold and they're bushy. Uh, a lot of times these majors, U.S. Opens, uh, U.S. Opens more specifically, you'll see players uh, intentionally hit the ball into bunkers, try to land in a bunker because the, the alternative to a bunker is rough. Yeah. And that's if you're missing fairways, obviously. 
But yeah, players will intentionally hit it in the bunker to try and avoid the rough because the rough's so thick. Well, this week, we that probably won't be an option for them since the bunkers play so steep and they're so hard to get out of. A lot of these lips are so steep that your only option is a lateral out onto the fairway. That I mean, you're wasting a shot at that point in a stroke. So I actually did some some research to talk to you, and I, I, I wrote down a couple things about a couple holes. You mentioned the bunkers. I got to ask you about which hole is this? It's the par three, hole three, uh, 230, so 230 yards, and I'm looking at the bunkers, and they're cut into the front hill of the green. So, like, as you're trying to approach up onto this green, you have steep bunkers. Like, I can't imagine getting the ball out of there. So, just specifically, let's talk about that hole because you talked about the bunkers. That seems like a catastrophe to end up in one of those, even though you're within spitting distance of the actual green and and the hole itself. Yep. Yeah, threes. Three will probably play difficult this week. Three's a 230-yard par three straight uphill and into the wind. Most of the time into the wind from that corner of the course if you're getting a north-northwest wind. Uh, I know Matty Fitz yesterday was talking about how he is hitting three wood into it, and it's you don't see pros having to do that on par threes. I know this morning, just watching a little bit of play, yeah, there's guys in those front bunkers. The front right specifically will probably get a lot of play. Um, it's either that or you're trying to hit this. The back of the green, the front of the green has a false front, so these guys are either going to try and probably get it in a bunker, honestly, or they're going to try and sail the green, and there's kind of almost like a backboard on the back of it that'll help bring the ball back in. But I've been seeing a lot of guys try to hit it long on three, but three should cause a little bit of issue this week for the guys, especially if there's you know, the north northwest wind. Well, and that's something we can watch for this week, and I'm excited. And the other hole I wanted to ask you is actually hole four. So the next one, 615 yards. It's a par five, which you don't see often in events like this. What goes into preparing a, a par five versus a par three? Obviously, a lot more grass, a lot more space, but d- does a grounds crew and, and people who plan an event in a golf course, is it a completely different approach in preparing two completely different holes like that? Uh, maybe not a completely different approach. Four's big thing is, uh, it's roll-offs. Uh, so we have run, runoff roll-offs. People call them different things. It's got a backside roll-off to the green now that's brand new, along with obviously the new construction of the green since 19. But the guys should be able to, the guys probably won't be able to reach in two. Uh, your tee shot off the tee is super deep. It's you can't tell on TV, but it's a deep tee shot, and your it's kind of a blind shot. It's a, almost a little dogleg to the right, uh, and that tee you're either trying to sail bunkers or you're trying to hit it as tight right of those bunkers as you possibly can, or as tight right on the fairway as you possibly can to avoid the bunkers. So the bunkering on four is perfect, but it could be an issue too. And then if you do sail the bunkers, land on the fairway, you should have a good chance at getting to the green and having a birdie opportunity. I talked to my but, coworker. Oh, keep going. Sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, sorry. I was just saying, but nothing different, nothing different from the agronomic standpoint or anything like that from three and four as far as preparation. That's cool. I was talking to my coworker, uh, Ben Kenny, who produces our afternoon show. He's our resident golf expert. And he wanted uh-huh. me to tell you or to ask you about a lack of uh, opportunities to really go for it and pick up strokes and make plays. Now, I don't know what that means. He's a golf hardo. I'm more of a casual. Is this the type of course, and I'm just listening to what Ben told me, is this the type of course where if you fall behind, it's hard to pick up strokes as the day goes along just because there's limited opportunities to make big plays and big shots? 
It definitely could be. Uh, it could be depending on the weather. I think these first two days of weather is going to give the guys a chance to at least have birdie opportunities. Um, I think. I think overall, though, yeah, you got to play. You got to be patient here, and that's the big thing this week. I think the winner will be a patient golfer who just takes the opportunity opportunities as they're given. Not really make. It won't be a guy who's deciding when deciding like, hey, here's a par three. I got to be aggressive on a par three or. Here's a short par four. I have to be aggressive here. It's going to be the guy that, hey, I hit a good shot. I hit a good first shot. I drove the ball on the fairway. I hit a great second shot to within six feet. Now you dial it in, and you got to go for that six-foot putt to get your birdie. I think this week someone who does that will probably come out in good shape or be the winner. So you got to take what the course gives you. Is that what you're telling me? Take what the defense gives yes. you. All right. Yes, absolutely. All right. Take your check downs. <laughs> take these shots. I like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Lastly... I got to ask you, you're talking with Dalton Rowan, who is my high school classmate and now working at Oak Hill Country Club, which is hosting the PGA Championship this weekend. You were bumming around with some golfers the last couple of days, like professional golfers. I should specify like names that even I recognize. What was that like? What did you hear? What did you see? And, And maybe for us preparing to watch this at home, I'm not asking for inside information here, but what did you learn? What surprised you about being around those guys the last couple of days? Uh, the big thing for me, and it was just, I don't know, they're all super friendly during practice rounds, but once, <laughs> like Monday, Tuesday was a lot of chatter. Sure. Wednesday comes around and everyone's kind of starting to dial in. And then you can tell really who the guys are who are A, struggling during their practice rounds, or B, just realize how hard it's really going to be. Um, yeah, I talked to a few different guys who were, just referencing like how firm greens were, how fast they were already. Uh, a couple guys, a couple guys would joke with us that, ah, oh, yeah, you should grow out the rough a little more. And, but yeah, the course, everyone seems pleased with it. Everyone seems happy. They're excited for the challenge. I think, oh, yeah. and, and I think all the pros understand it's a major championship. It's different conditions than every week tournament. It's just, it's built to be more difficult. Yeah. It's built to give them a true test. As not, opposed to it's not live a typical week. Yeah. yeah, there you go. It's not. It's not <laughs> supposed to be. Uh, it's not supposed to be easy. Did you tell me that you got some bags wet, some golf bags? What were you? What what happened? Because I saw you said that in the group chat, and I was confused. Yeah, yeah. No, we were just we were just doing watering greens routes, and <laughs> one of the route on the route I had was our upper putting green that tends to be pretty packed during tournament time. And when you ask guys to clear off the green, a it's not they're not thrilled and. B, they literally, when you ask a guy to clear a green, they, they're taking one to two steps off the green, send their bag down, so they're not very far. Um, and, yeah, you know, I had to water the green. I got a couple bags wet, and some people weren't thrilled. And, but we just kept it moving, and it ended up being all right. They'll, they'll be okay. They can afford to... Uh, to uh, replace anything that may have been damaged. Oh, my God. Well, dude, have a blast this weekend. I'm excited to watch. Absolutely. I don't watch a ton of golf, but... Like, I'm definitely going to be focused, and you got me excited just talking about some of the details of the course. Not saying I'm going to root for the course, but I'm excited to watch them play the course that you guys have been working so hard on. I appreciate the time. Go deal with the greens, deal with the rough, whatever you need to get to. Thanks for a couple minutes. Sounds good. Yep. Thanks, Grant. So, (laughs) obviously, I've known Dalton for a while. The part of that interview that kills me is when he says, of the golfers whose uh, golf bags he soaked, they'll be okay. They'll be be all right. (laughs) Is he... As he soaks the golf bag of a bunch of 
pros who were there for the PGA Championship. Yeah, Dalton was awesome. He's not someone who, who does media. He He's just a buddy who works the grounds at Oak Hill, and it was really cool to hear him speak in detail about some of the holes and the way that the wind is going to be coming in and the way that the bunkers are going to play. And I was just, it was really cool for me to be able to connect with an old friend today. And I don't know, talk about something a little different on the show. So I hope you got something out of that, even if you're not a golf fan. Q texts in and says, big get. Yeah, <laughs> massive, massive get. I, I hit him up in our Snapchat group chat and thank God he could he could work me into his schedule. I also thought it was funny because he did it from his car. He uh, he was outside of one of the tents. He was ready to go back and, and work on some greens. And you could hear the birds. You could hear the birds in the background. That's how a golf interview should sound. So we appreciate Dalton uh, and his time, especially during a busy week like this. Let's take a three-minute break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Last couple of minutes. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you hanging out. Appreciate everybody that called and texted in today. We heard from Cone and we heard from DW in New Glarus. Heard from Corey and Marshall. Tony in Texas. Dave from Monona, who today called himself uh, Dr. D. I love that Dave goes after Cone Roller seemingly for no reason. Like, if Cone Roller didn't go by Cone Roller and, like, his name was Al. Like, I don't think Dave... It's the corn thing. He can call him Queen Cream Corn, Sweet Baby Corn. He called him Corn Maze the other night. There's just too many There's just too many fun nicknames. He hasn't called him Popcorn yet. That might, might be too easy. That fruit might be too low-hanging. We appreciate everybody that called and, and interacted today. Some great conversations about the Brewers. Great conversations about the Eastern Conference Finals. And uh, some great conversations about where up north starts. Tony in Texas saying River Falls is up north. Are you high? Tony, it's at least an hour south of up north. Up north begins at Highway 8. At the very, so the, the, mo- the most southern boundary of up north could be Highway 8. Some argue that it's even farther. Some, some argue that to get up north, you need to go past Highway 8. Now, I, I'm reasonable. I'll accept Highway 8 as an answer. Some say Highway 2. You're like, Grant, that's a mile from the coast. Yeah, it is. Some, up north used to mean something in this state, and now people are bastardizing it, saying Wausau is up north. Give me a break. So thank you, Tony, for uh, starting that debate. Q with the text. Here's the text. It says, are pros able to pay guys like your friend that work on the course that they're playing to be on? Does it be their caddy, or is that against the rules? Seems like it'd be a huge advantage. So I bet that during the practice round and during kind of all of the things throughout the week that we don't see, there's chatter. There's got to be chatter. You're not trying. You are not trying your hardest as a professional golfer if you're not trying to sweet talk, you know, some of the some of the members of the grounds crew, or you know, someone who works in the clubhouse, the old man who's golfed there every year for years, like. You're not trying. So I would imagine there's chatter, you know, uh, just chopping it up. Dalton said he was chopping it up with Rory McIlroy earlier this week. Just, you know, brief little conversations here and there. It's the same when you go fishing, right? You you need to do it the right way. Like if I'm going fishing and I bump into a guy and I'm walking by, he's leaving the river. I'm going down to the river. Say, hey, you do any good? He says, yeah, they're biting great. All right. That's the only question I get. I think you get one question. 
You'd say, hey, uh, you catch any fish? And they say yes or no. That's your question. You could say, hey, what were you throwing today? And he might tell you, I was throwing this. It worked okay. There's your one question. You get one question. You got to figure out some of it for yourself. You can't sit there and rattle question after question after question. I think the same is probably true with golf. You know, how's how's the greens rolling? You get an answer. I feel like you got to stop there. Can't keep asking. I think you get one question. So maybe fishing and golf prep. Maybe there's some parallels. Eric on I-90 is trying to call. Eric, sorry, we're out of time, brother. I'll get you tomorrow. Tomorrow's show's only going to be an hour long because the Brewers play at uh, 540. They're playing in Florida. They're at the Trop. So we got to pack everything in fast and furious tomorrow. Please be ready for that. We're going to operate at a little faster clip tomorrow, which will be fun. And, Eric, I promise I will get you in tomorrow. If you call at 4, we can lead the show off. It'll be a good time. Western Conference Finals tonight. That's what I'm going to be watching. Tweet at me during the game. At Wisco Grant. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Never miss a Friday show.